Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. I've got a really great Figured Out Baseball podcast today that I'm very, very excited to get into. I love talking to guys that win a lot of games, and we've got one uh, on the podcast today who's won more than, than most people will ever have on this program. We're being joined today by Marty Smith. He's the head coach at the College of Central Florida, a junior college program in Ocala, Florida. Uh, I'll give you a quick, quick background on Coach Smith before we jump into questions with him. He's a native of Jacksonville, Florida, played collegiately at the College of Central Florida, where he now coaches. He finished his playing career at St. Thomas University, which is a Division II school, was a Division II school, Miami, Florida. Uh, they've since uh, gone to NAIA. Uh, believe it or not, there he coached for, uh, or I'm sorry, he played under Paul Maneri at St. Thomas University. Paul Maneri is now the head coach at LSU, of course. Uh, coach Smith got his first coaching job at Miami Dade College, a junior college, uh, obviously in Miami, Florida. While he was at Miami Dade, had the privilege of coaching Mike Piazza. There's a really good name for you from the past. Uh, he then coached at uh, FCS Jacksonville, a junior college program in Jacksonville, Florida. While he was there, the team won the 1990 Region 8 State Championship. His first year coaching at the College of Central Florida was 1991, where he's been since. He became the head coach at the College of Central Florida in 1995. He's currently in his 27th season. Pretty amazing for the Patriots. Uh, he came into the 2021 season with a career record of 786 and 544. He won his 800th career game on February 20th of 2021, the team is currently 26 and 6. They are ranked number 5 in all of junior college baseball as of the March 8th poll. Probably another poll coming out today or tomorrow. Um, he in 2018, give you a couple of recent statistics or recent things to look at. His 2018 team set a school record by hitting 94 home runs. That was good for seventh in the country. That is an increase from the previous school record, which was 56 home runs. That's an incredible jump and something we certainly should talk about in this podcast. In 2017, the team had the highest draft in program history with, with right-handed pitcher Nate Pearson being selected 28th overall by the Toronto Blue Jays. If you follow Major League Baseball at all, uh, you probably know that name, Nate Pearson. He is currently the number 10 overall prospect in baseball. Made his Major League debut in 2020. The guy throws the ball 100 miles an hour. He's like 6'5", 6'6". He's a massive human being who throws the ball extremely hard. You'll be hearing that name for quite a while uh, in Major League Baseball in the future. Overall, Coach Smith has sent hundreds of former players onto the four-year level. He's had dozens of players drafted either straight out of the, co uh, the College of Central Florida or after they've gone on to four-year schools from his place. Uh, just a very, very successful program and someone who I think can bring a tremendous amount of light to what junior college baseball is all about, how good it can really be when you have a good program uh, like, like, they, like Coach Smith does. Coach Smith, I just want to thank you for being a part of the program today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So in most of the podcasts, uh, I like to start with something that really stands out from people's bios. And for you, I'd love to talk about that 800th win. Um, you know, different coaches 
pay different amounts of attention to things like that? Some people know what's happening. Some people don't. How aware were you, you know, even coming into this season or even going into that particular game, how aware were you that number 800 was coming up for you? Um, you know, you hear about it here and there, and they write about it, and they're following it on a, uh, in our local paper, I guess. So um, it was being written in there, and then when you come up short, you start thinking that it starts putting pressure on the players, and they start – uh, thinking about it and not playing well, which you know, it's just another, it's just another game, and it's just another win. Um, it just happened to have some zeros behind it, I guess. But uh, a little bit, um, we we weren't into conference play yet, so the games weren't, um, I guess you'd say, as important as as they would be if, if it was a conference game. So <clears throat> we were playing pretty well at, this, at the time. So. Uh, I don't know. I was aware of it, but, uh, you know, uh, it's just, <laughs> it is what it is, I guess. And that's probably how I would expect uh, someone like you to react. You've been around the game for so long and, and have accomplished so much. Uh, and it's, uh, of course, to you, maybe at this time it's just another win, but certainly looking back, uh, when things are, you know, when you're done, whenever you decide to hang up the cleats, uh, I'm sure this is something that you'll really enjoy. And hopefully, you have a couple more milestones to hit before before that time comes. And at the rate that that your team is playing, winning, you know, 40 games uh, almost every year, seemingly when you have a full season to do it, um, that that's you know the the 900 and 1,000 win totals are certainly well within your reach. And, and um, I'm sure exciting, maybe for people around you more than more so than yourself, but uh, but but really incredible milestones. It's hard to even imagine um, coaching that long. When you first started coaching and you became the head coach uh, at the College of Central Florida in 1995, did you have any thought that first of all you'd be here this long, or or even be a, a college head coach for this long, and certainly. Um, you know, being at the same place for long enough to achieve something like this. I mean, every one of your college wins is at the same place. I, I don't know how many guys can say that. Did you have any any idea this would happen or even a, a goal, a, a thought in your mind that this might be something that you could accomplish when you first started coaching? I'd say no. I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I wanted to get into coaching and I was assistant for a few years and and, uh, and took over this program, and we were kind of headed in the right direction as I was insistent. So we were just thinking about winning games and, you know, getting through the year and and, uh, and moving kids on and, 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 you know, trying to win a conference championship, things like that, or get into the state tournament. That was the big thing as a, as a player in junior college. I didn't get to do that. Um, and it's a pretty elite tournament that we have in Florida, I think. Um, it's it's an eight-team tournament that the now the top team goes straight to Grand Junction. Back in the day, you had to go through a regional with Alabama and Georgia. So we were just trying to get into the state tournament and, and taking it year by year. I, I had no idea, you know, uh, this was where I was going to be for for this long. But once you once you settle here in Ocala, it's a neat little place. It's it's uh, we're an hour from Tampa, an hour from Orlando, about thirty minutes. Uh, south of uh, Gainesville <clears throat> so we're pretty close to the University of Florida and, and that that you know level of baseball and, and, and college life so we're we're it's a cool little town and good place to ended up raising my kids here and and uh, I'm glad I did I'm certainly glad I did I didn't 
think, uh, you know, when I took over in 95 that I was going to be here that long. And, but it's uh, the junior college level is a good level. We got a lot of scholarships, and our, our administration does a, a fantastic job with our funding. And I can't complain about too much. So uh, it's been a good level for me forever, and, and uh, I love it here. When I get a chance to talk to junior college coaches on the podcast, I like to, and really at probably any level outside of Division One, we end up talking about the level a little bit just to help people gain familiarity, to help people uh, have more of uh, maybe maybe just a different a different vantage point, a little bit of maybe more respect for different levels of college baseball, and uh, and I say in the podcast quite a bit that I'm a huge advocate of junior college. If I could go back and, and do it all again, I would go to junior college. I, I think it's the right level for almost every player. I, I truly do. I, I just there aren't many people who I believe coming out of high school a four year level is better for their for their uh, for their athletic career or you know for their budget. Um, I just I think that for, for so many reasons junior college baseball is. Uh, is better, and even if you're just a, a student, or, or without being a student athlete, I think a junior college is a great thing to look into. But for someone who's been at this level for as long as you have, sell it to me without selling it to me. You know what? What is it about junior college that keeps you there? What is it about junior college that that you talk about with recruits that come in? Like what? What is so attractive about this level that you've this for your entire college coaching career? You've been at the junior college level, and uh, you know what's kept you there. What? What about it is so attractive to you? As a, as a coach on the coaching side, um, just, you know, like I said before, we're, we're fully funded with 24 scholarships. Um, coach, what, what does that mean, just to expand that? Do you have, you have 24 <laughs> full scholarships at your level? Yes. Um, we, we have 24 tuition scholarships. We have 12 housing scholarships. We're fully funded on the tuition side. So if you're getting a, a scholarship to the College of Central Florida, you're at least going to get your tuition paid for, whether it's in-state or out-of-state. We have a limit on that of 50% uh, have to be in-state. Um, if you just look at that alone, and, and the next level for me, man, my idea might be a D2 level where I go to a, a Division two school, whether it be, you know, in the South, in the Peach Belt or the Sunshine State Conference or one of these conferences down here, Division two wise and that's the next step for me. It, it could be, you know, it could be four scholarships. It could be, I don't I think the D2 level is nine point something, but it could be anywhere from four up to nine and just battle for scholarships and an expensive school uh, and really really have to, to battle for scholarship money and even funding. I was at St. Thomas and believe me, you can ask Paul Maneri this, that funding at St. Thomas wasn't a whole lot of fun in the mid-80s um, when it came to trying to to keep, you know, 30 kids on a roster happy with four or five scholarships uh, and spreading that money out really, really thin. And it's just, it just is, is a battle to do that. And there, that's not on the junior college level, man. We... We have scholarships. We have housing we can give out. We get really, really good players in Florida. Um, I mean, really good players. We're, we're average. Every game we play this fall, uh, This we didn't play any this fall, but this scrimmage season, this pre-conference season, and the unconference season, we're, we're – you know, we're an average of eight to twelve scouts a game, up to fifty to sixty uh, when a certain guy throws. So, 
it's a really neat level to to play good see good baseball and recruit good baseball players and develop good baseball players and I don't have to worry too much about funding and, and scholarships and <clears throat> just your your regular budget. So it's just been a great level for me. Uh, you know, once I talk to other coaches and the battles that they have on the Division Two level, and here we are playing about this you know, the same level of baseball and a better level of baseball on, on many occasions. Um, when you compare us to probably a Division Two. The program would probably be, you know, my next step for a for a job. So it's it's just been the perfect level for me, um, uh, you know, for being here 27 years as a head coach and 30 whatever it is total in the junior college level. It's it's a great level for me, and I, man, looking back, I would <laughs> excuse me, I wouldn't do it any other way. The the scholarships at junior college they vary. You know, quite a bit for people that aren't familiar. A Division One junior college can have up to twenty-four full scholarships. They they can have that much tuition and room and board. Division Two junior colleges can just have tuition. Uh, they can't they can't uh, give scholarships for room and board. And Division Three junior college doesn't have any scholarships athletically. Uh, just like you know, similar to what you see in NCAA, but not but not quite. I mean, twenty-four. The fact that you've got 24 tuition scholarships and 12 room and board is, is amazing. You've got 12 kids that are coming to school there for nothing, uh, and that's that's incredible. And I, that's like when when you hear in college baseball, you hear about a you know a high school player that's going to a four year level, and maybe the parents or whoever are saying, "Oh, he got a full ride there." Well, if that happened, then that kid probably got a, a pretty healthy uh, academic scholarship in addition to some baseball money because that just doesn't it just doesn't happen. And in junior colleges. Are typically cheaper, even if you are paying, than four-year schools, uh, and that, that's the place. That, that's the the uh, the situation in a lot of areas, but but not everywhere. Coach, if I can just ask, just to kind of round out this conversation, if I'm coming as a non-scholarship player to the College of Central Florida, do you, can you give me an idea what it's going to cost for in-state or out-of-state players? In-state players um, total everything. Uh, about $10,000 a year. Um, that's everything. That's tuition. That's housing for an in-state guy. Um, Out-of-state would be about three times that. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's see. It would be... It would be... Uh, <clears throat> it would be... It would be about sixteen thousand, something like that. I'm just going three times, three times that on the uh, the tuition. Okay. Three times that on the tuition. That'd that's be about, still. That'd be about fifteen, sixteen thousand a year. That's still. Yeah. I mean, that's extremely affordable compared yeah, to other absolutely. colleges, and yeah. and I, I wish that more people would put stock in a junior college. And in different parts of the country, they do. I don't know how it is with a with a high school player in Florida, but where I am in Pennsylvania. You know, most most players don't even consider junior college out of high school because the junior college system up here is nothing like it is in Florida as far as, you know, the, the caliber of programs, the scholarships available, all that kind of stuff. It's just it's vastly different. Do do high school players in Florida, do you get a lot of guys that are that that are going through like they're 15, 16, 17 years old and saying, I, I'd like to go to junior college? Does that happen in your area or is that something that you kind of have to introduce and, and sort of uh just almost start from ground zero for for players in your area, high school players. No, I think as a, the younger players, fifteen, sixteen, they are uh, they have Division One on their mind. 
I, I think it either hits them or they finally understand it maybe towards the end of their junior year and into their senior year that they uh, <clears throat> they start you know considering junior colleges there are many guys that are their sophomores probably even juniors uh, that that have dreams of going to junior college uh, they're 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 all about the division one and the four year schools but it hits them sooner or later uh, you know some of them that, that their dream doesn't work out and then they they have to settle I guess but once they get here um, it's a, a totally different uh, mindset they understand the junior college level and what we do and how much more time we have on the field to develop players and and um, the, just the, the time factor itself is, is huge the amount of time we can have on the field and the, the, the constraints that we don't have <laughs> excuse me that are on the uh, the division one and division two level so once they get here they understand but I don't think there's a whole lot of kids that are sophomores and early in their junior year that are that are going hey uh, you know I'm And again, that's something that that I think varies in various parts of the country is just how different how players, how high school players view different levels of baseball. I coached junior college in Iowa uh, for a period of time, and um, there were a lot of players there that that in in this that that time that was you know more than ten years ago, twelve years ago, something like that. Uh, maybe even longer than that, but uh, but there are players that are you know juniors in high school that wanted to go to junior college, and maybe that's because in Iowa that the only Division One school at that time, you and I still had a program there. You know, in the whole state, there's only two Division Ones, not a whole lot of Division Ones, just in other states, even in that uh, in that region of the country, they're just they're a little more spread out there uh, than than in different uh, again different areas of the country. But it was a, it was amazing to me because I was coming from Pennsylvania that I I I never for a minute considered junior college baseball neither did my brother we both played uh, in college and never thought about it but then I started coaching at that level realizing how good it is and it was amazing to me to talk to you know juniors and seniors in high school who I thought probably could play at the division one level who were talking to like four different four or five schools and they were all junior colleges and and that's just uh but that's kind of how it is there now you still with how with your situation you still end up with some incredible players uh, incredibly talented players at your level. So you're talking to kids now as juniors and seniors, and for anyone that's sort of in the know of how um, of how college recruiting works at this point, the juniors and seniors, they, they probably are looking to you because they don't have a lot of options at that point, or at least the Division One options are becoming thinner and thinner, or maybe they're kind of late bloomers or whatever it is. What kind of players are you getting there out of high school, Coach? Are you getting guys that are sort of late bloomers that by the time they they show, you know, quote-unquote Division One stuff, the Division Ones are already full, or are they guys that are getting recruited by Division Twos and Threes and think that they want to go to higher levels? Are you getting guys that, you know, have draft interest out of high school who think, well, you know, I could go to junior college for a year or two, and really, uh, you know, increase my draft status? Like, what kind of players are you guys getting there? Because obviously you have really talented guys on the field. So what are these guys like in high school that you, you end up signing? i tell you what, Jeff, it's changed over the last few years. Um, obviously the COVID has, has caused a little backup. And on the guys at the Division One level, you know, this past summer and this past offseason were – 
where it was seeing that back up and, and so we we got some you know we got some calls from transfers and transfers from pretty good schools and really good transfers um the year before that there was a little bit of that um <clears throat> before that um and I, and I think that will continue i think that trend will continue into this off season as well uh and that the the, the junior colleges are are going to be um, uh, not overflowed, but really, really, really uh, they will be a, a, a haven for guys that are in four-year schools, SEC, ACC, big-time Division One, four-year schools that just see the backup and, and you know, they're, they're a good arm and they're the 20th pitcher on the staff and not only did they not throw, they didn't even go down to the bullpen and warm up. And they're a guy that can go to junior college, and, and they're a guy that, that, that was a possible draft pick out of high school that either are behind a you know a, a junior senior or uh, just maybe a, a, a slight injury at the beginning of the year that they saw that you know they're just not going to have time to catch up or something like that. So we're going to be a, a haven for those guys. For the next for the next year or two, and that's unfortunate for the uh, 2021 high school grads, maybe even the 22 high school grads. There's just backup, and I I really thought this was going to sort itself out after that first year, but it looks like it's even going to be worse this year, and I hate that for the high school kid. Uh, before that, we were getting you know we were trying to get the best high school kid we could get. Um, um, and, it, and it wasn't a lot of a lot of transfers here at the College of Central Florida, but but we were just trying to get the the best high school kid we can get, and we really don't even talk to juniors. Um, it, it's seniors only, man. If there's you know, it, it, just in my experience, a, a junior is is not going to talk to us, so I'm not going to try to waste his time uh, calling him or talking to him. He. he he want, he knows he wants to go to a four year school. His parents want him to go to a four year school. The D one D one D one mentality, uh, and then it hits him. And then the senior year, I, I'll give him a call and say, "All right, hey, you know, what are you considering or whatever? Are you considering JUCOs now?" Or so that that kind of has to play itself out to where they they kind of not fall, but they kind of finally realize that. Okay, um, you know these these guys aren't uh, on me like I thought they would be, and, and like the uh, rankings said that I would be. So uh, you know I got to consider junior college. Uh, my my speech in general to to a group of kids or to a group of young kids, whether it be sophomore, junior, seniors, if I was talking to a showcase or something like that, would be you know if you don't get your dream school or whatever man go to junior college and keep that dream alive or you know you're on the bubble of being drafted and go to junior college and keep that dream alive and uh, get bigger and stronger and faster and hit the ball harder and throw the ball harder and and uh see if you can you can get to that dream school and um you know keep that dream alive in junior college so that's my spiel to to kids that you know, obviously, don't don't hit that dream school. Which in Florida is Florida, Florida State, Miami. In general, that's what you're going to hear from kids. <clears throat> Although there's some, you know, FAU and some others <clears throat> always seem to do a really good job and are in the mix. So, um, you know, that's my skill to them. go to junior college and just keep that dream alive to to go to your dream school. 
And I think that's such, it's the perfect selling point for junior college programs. And, uh, you know, for so many, for so many guys out there, they, they dream of going to a school, whether it's a Florida school or, or, you know, whether they're some from elsewhere in the country and they've always wanted to go to this particular school. And that particular school is not, you know, not knocking on their door coming out of high school. And then the player ends up settling for, you know, a different four-year school or, or even a different level altogether. And, and in many cases, if you're going to a school that is focused on your development and they're a really good, a really good development school where they're not just, you know, not just playing, not just rolling balls out and playing games. Like they're, they're, they're really concerned about, uh, you know, your personal development as a player. A lot of times I, I believe that players as juniors and even seniors, they, they have progressed enough where they kind of look and say, boy, I probably could have been playing at this place. At that point, it's too late in most cases. Um, but had they gone to junior college for a year or two, who knows what would have happened. And it's, you know, that I think that's such a great selling point for anybody that's, that won't consider junior college. To me, it's like, unless, like you said, unless you have your dream school, that's calling you right now. Why not go to junior college? Because in most cases, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, but in most cases, players that go into junior college for, and spend two years there, assuming good health are going to have at bare minimum, the same offers, the same type of offers they had coming out of high school. And I would, I would venture to guess in, you know, three out of every four kids that come into your program and, and again, stay for two years and have good health. They're getting better offers either from higher levels or the same level, but more scholarship dollars. Like they're, they're getting better. They're getting better offers coming out uh, most of the time. And even if maybe the dream school still doesn't knock at that point, maybe you have more offers uh, to consider, maybe you have more scholarship money to consider. So you're, you know, in all four years of college, you're going to save money because you're getting a good scholarship offer from a junior college, freshman and sophomore year. Then you're getting better offers junior and senior year from a four-year school. You know, better offers there than you were getting in your in your you know in high school for a, a freshman year. Um, there just there's so many benefits, and I could, you know, gush about this all day, but. And I'm I'm not coaching anywhere right now. I don't have any reason to push anybody anywhere. But but for high school kids that I talk to in Pennsylvania, that are uncommitted, especially when guys around them with similar talent levels are committed, and it's kind of like, you know, for whatever reason, schools have missed you, maybe because you're not playing for the right travel team or you didn't play well in the right days or whatever it may be. You know, junior college is such an obvious option for me. But again, I'm I have a much different perspective as a 36 year old than I did as as a 16 year old. Um, it's just, uh, you know, the, the benefits of junior college are, are so profound when you really think about it and kind of are able to push your ego aside a little bit and, and just kind of come to terms with, okay, I'm going to go to a school that maybe my buddies haven't heard of, but it's really good baseball. I mean, when, yeah. when you go to a, a game at the college of central Florida for both teams, I, I assume it would, regardless of who you're playing, uh, you're going to see some really really good talent can you kind of talk just really briefly maybe i mean you kind of said about how many scouts are in the stands but like what are what's the you know what's your what's your depth like what's your talent like on, on this team like if somebody comes and watches you guys practice on a particular day even where they get to see everybody as opposed to just maybe your best nine you know what what are players what are kids recruits going to see from your players on the field coach smith in general, what you said before is so true as far as, you know, kids coming to junior college and then going to a better place. This year, just in general, we've had kids um, transfer.
transfer in from the University of North Florida. He's going to Florida. A kid transferring from Charleston Southern uh, that's now going to NC State. Um, a kid, uh, kid uh, last year, he came in from Division II. Uh, what was that school uh, in North Carolina? I forgot what it was. And he transferred out to West Virginia. In general, when you transfer in, you're, you're going to go to a better school. Nate Pearson was at FIU as a freshman. He would have left here going to LSU had he not signed in the first round with the Blue Jays. Um, so in general, you're, you're going to, uh, to, to develop, to be draft eligible, and to uh, try to get to the, a, a better school. No knock on UNF and, and the schools that, that, that they were at. <clears throat> but they, you know, had dreams of going to a better school and wanted that year to develop and also be draft eligible. So, in general, you're going to uh, a better school, a more uh, prestigious baseball school, probably than you were um, yeah, than you were at originally. <clears throat> what are you going to see when you come here? I tell you what, if you'd have been at yesterday's game, you would have seen uh, two special assignment scouts from the Rockies and the Yankees, a few scouting directors. Um, uh, pitcher that touched 96.6 on the on his fastball, and, and he's known for his breaking ball. <laughs> um, has one of the most, he'll have one of the most elite breaking balls in the draft this year. Um, in general, uh, if you come to one of our games, every every starter that we have is going to be 88 to 94. Um, our top four starters, um, the kid going to NC State is going to be 90 to 94. He's a 6'6", 230-pound right-hander um, who's going to be uh, who's going to be a draft pick. And, and it's it's good stuff, man. Can, can the guys that throw 85 to 90 pitch in junior college? Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of pitchers in, in, uh, in Florida uh, on the junior college level that that aren't 90 miles an hour that can really, really pitch and really, really get you out. <clears throat> I don't care how, how well your team can hit. <clears throat> but you're going to see, you know, upper 80s, some 90s um, on the mound, and you're going to see some really good middle-of-the-order hitters, um, you know, the top five or six hitters on every team are going to be able to swing it pretty well. And that's not knocking the bottom three hitters on those teams, but in general, the prospects are going to be in that one to five hole or whatever, and they're going to swing it well. And, you know, we have uh, defenders that, that go on. Last year, shortstop came in from uh, Gardner Webb and transferred out to UNC Wilmington. He's the best shortstop we've ever had. Uh, and he'll probably, you know, it'll surprise me if he's not UNC Wilmington's best shortstop they've ever had um, when he leaves there. Uh, Trent Mongero, who's an infield guy, uh, his son Tabor was with us last year. Just the best infielder we've ever seen. And he was a guy that just wanted to come in for, for the development and did so. And, and left here and went to his dream school, which is where his dad went. And that was really a feather in our hat, hat to be able to get a kid to his dream school there as well. So even if it's just UNC Wilmington and the kid could have had visits to other schools, but wanted to go there and he's there playing shortstop now but just it's a high level of, of baseball I, I really you know the, the ACC SEC the, 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 the other conferences in the Midwest and the Pac-12 Pac I guess it is now the, really good baseball um, could we compete with them I, I know we could compete with their freshmen and sophomores 
um, that that juniors and seniors, the, the 22, 23, 24-year-old maturity, you know, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think if we played them 10 times, we could beat them two or three times in general. Um, but you're going to see really good baseball in the junior college level in Florida. That's for sure. I can't speak too much about other states because we're in Central Florida. We don't we don't really leave. We don't have problems getting games here. We will go into South Georgia a little bit, but uh, I can't speak for the other states. <clears throat> Obviously, Wabash in Illinois and Iowa Western in the Midwest. <clears throat> Some schools out there really really get it done, and <clears throat> but I don't. I don't think in general they're going to play the, the everyday competition that, that we play here in, in Florida in junior college baseball. Yeah, no doubt that Florida, you know, in California is sort of its own thing too because it's in its own conference, uh, you know, California's its own conference, but between Florida, Texas, junior college, uh, and I think Iowa Junior College ranks up there too, not just because I coach there, but because I, I just I think that the Iowa Junior College is really good, partly because there's only one Division One out there, partly because they play summer high school baseball. So uh, I think that, that that just is a little bit of a different recruiting animal up there. But uh, there's such good junior college baseball in different areas of the country. So, yeah. Coach, talking about um, sending your guys on to four-year schools, when you're talking with players, so coming out of high school, everybody, you know, it seems like almost every recruit out there, uh, for the most part, is is D1, 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 D1. What kind of conversations do you have with guys coming out of your place? Like, is it is it same thing, kind of D1 or bust? Are there, are there uh, different priorities that players, I guess, a different perspective they have on what their priorities are coming out of your place than they did in high school just with a couple more years of maturity and kind of seeing – Maybe, you know, what it's like to be in a, in a really good winning programs. Maybe that's maybe that's uh, a priority. Maybe playing time is a priority. Uh, of course, that's never guaranteed. But when a school's offering you 25% and another school's offering you 75%, pretty good chance that that 75% school is expecting you to be the everyday guy, right? And it's going to be maybe your job to lose in a way. Uh, what, what are some conversations you have with players coming out of your place as far as prioritizing uh you know different things and where they're going to end up is it d1 or bust or are there other things that that are um like do you encourage guys to go to different levels because you believe it's going to be the right fit for them for one reason or another coming out of college of central florida in general they're going to uh want to go to a division one school um <clears throat> my conversations with them um lean more towards go to a place where you can get on the field and play and or make sure if you're going to pay this much money to go to that Division One school, which sometimes it's a lot now. It's they're not used to paying that kind of money after they've been to a junior college for a couple of years. Uh, that make sure if you're going to pay that kind of money uh, to go to that insert prestigious Division One school here, um, baseball wise, make sure you're going to get on the field. That's hard to do sometimes. Um, you know, obviously, you can look at the roster and maybe see who they committed or signed to come in. Uh, but make sure you're going to get on the field. Otherwise, you know, maybe think about this place. And I know it's not the prestigious place, but um, and that's hard. To, that's hard to convince a kid of. Um, and maybe you should think about this. We've had guys. We've had three. I know in the last several years, turn down Division One schools and Division One offers to go to the to the University of Tampa which is a Division II powerhouse that wins a national championship, it seems like, every other year. 
Um, <clears throat> great facilities and great, great, uh, just a great uh, area. They're in right there in downtown downtown Tampa. <clears throat> Obviously, they win a lot and get kids drafted out of there. But we've the last two we've sent out there have been draft picks, and there's one that's still there now that that could have gone to Division One schools and turned down Division One offers to go to a Division Two University of Tampa. So. Um, in general, the kids, the conversation with the kids that we have here is, yes, I, I want to go to a Division one school. Um, and, you know, we're all for it. And then maybe halfway through the season, things start uh, start opening their eyes just like they do, you know, uh, uh, you know, when we talk to a high school kid. Um, so, yeah, in general, they, they all want to go to a Division one level, and that doesn't always work out. But it's the conversation that, that that's where the conversation starts uh, on their end for sure. It's certainly understandable that guys want to go to that level, but there's something to, you know, winning. There's something to being on the field. Um, something I, I I talk about a lot, and and as a scout in in my area, and I've said this on a podcast before as well. But uh, you know, something I do in this area is try to go see uncommitted players and talk to that player and his family. Where in the country would you like to go? You know, um, and, and we talk about what level I believe he can play at, what level he'd like to play at, and I send out some emails to coaches and, just, and send some video and a write up and say, hey, here's an uncommitted kid might be able to play for you. You know, seems like he might be able to, might want to come to your area of the country, that sort of thing. And and, and I I try to talk to players and just talk to their families and just if they come from winning programs, like, are you really going to be happy going to a school that wins 15 or 20 games a year just to say you're at that level? You know, or, or are you willing to, you know, go and sit and, and be a part-time player for a year or two before you have a chance to go be an everyday guy? Like, obviously, you never know. You never know if you're going to start or not. And, of course, every, I think, competitive guys, competitive players look at programs and they say, well, yeah, it's a really good program, but I think I can play there. I, I think I can win a job. I think, I yeah, there might be, you know, an incumbent at my position who's two years ahead of me in school, but... You know, either I think I can either push him or maybe he's a shortstop and maybe I'll play second until he graduates or something like that. I, and I think it's a good thing to a point, but I also think just being realistic uh, and and just figuring out what your priorities are is are it's, it's important stuff. And and yeah, trying to get an 18 year old, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old to listen to that stuff is not easy to do. But uh, you know, but certainly for me, I, I think that going to a place like Tampa that has a chance to win a national championship in a really good conference. Uh, it's really good baseball down there. You know, Division II baseball is really good in the in the southeast as it is in other pockets of the country. Um, you, you see really good baseball from, from you know, game to game. And, and Tampa has – I would say that Tampa probably has more draft picks in the last 20 years or however long than – than probably 50% of the Division ones in the country. I, I don't know if you would agree with that number or not, but uh, I, they seem to have several guys going in the draft every year. Yeah, absolutely. I would think Tampa, as far as draft pick goes, um, would have as, at least as many drafts per year uh, as a as a mid-major and down in Division one for sure. Now, in your program, I want to talk about just the success that you've had there um, I, I think winning is something that is undervalued for for whatever reason now in our maybe it's a cultural thing or it's a you know we live in a world where you know development is uh, is kind of king at 
at the youth level, you know, with all these facilities that uh, all around the country, and certainly development is a, is a huge, hugely important thing. But winning is also, to me, uh, a pretty important thing. Now, at your place, you've done both. You guys, you develop players. Um, you're not shy about talking about development, but you also have won a lot of games, especially you know, particularly in the last uh, handful of years. You guys have have won a whole lot of games, and I want to talk to you about that a little bit, Coach. In your perspective. What are some of the most important things for developing a consistent winning program uh, that you think will transcend any any level? Like, what are things that you guys do really, really well there that you believe contribute to the 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 ongoing success? Um, I tell you what, I've been here. I think we figured twenty seven years for for as being the head coach here. We won the, the, the state championship and went to Grand Junction in uh, 97, 98. That was my five, six, seven, eight. That was my third and fourth year as a head coach. <clears throat> I thought it was going to be easy. Uh, we did what we, we, we thought what was right back then to get us to that point. <clears throat> we had good players. We had players that didn't make mistakes. We had a really solid group in 97 or 98, won the state back to back and went out to Green Junction and had a blast. And, and, I, and, and I don't think we had a player drafted, but we did have a team full of, uh, of baseball players that, that really, <clears throat> I won't say knew how to win, but, but they just didn't make mistakes. It was amazing how how we, we played catch and, and put it in play and did the little things. And then I, I tell you what, man, I thought we were good, and we did the same crap for the next 15 years and, and wallered in mediocrity um we were you know we 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 won the conference in probably 01 04 07 something like that and 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 obviously went to the state tournament you go to the state tournament you're in the top two in the conference so we went to the state tournament every other year pretty much you know we're just kind of happy being in that that place and and uh i Five or six years ago, I was fortunate enough to have some really good young assistants who are now all in pro pro baseball, um, and they should be. <clears throat> that that kind of changed our our way of uh, <clears throat> our way of um, going about things, and that was the the move towards the development side of things, <clears throat> and uh, and just. Uh, True player development, uh, a lot of a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of a lot of uh, <clears throat> getting to that uh, the the parts of the game that matters, and developing hitters to, to hit the ball harder, and developing pitchers to, to throw the ball harder, and pitch development. Uh, you know, hitting, fielding, and pitching, which is I don't know what percentage of the game, but it's the most part of the game, and then and then shine away.
a week. And instead of that, lifting weights is a lot more important than that. Um, even throwing pins and getting the Rapsodo out, and every pin we throw has a Rapsodo on the ground. And, and we have two or three pitchers on the iPad that are sharing ideas and pitch grips and trying to develop and, and get their breaking ball better and get their changeup better. Um, get the, 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 the finish efficiency up on their fastball and, and just just uh, really spending some uh, uh, <laughs> trying to think of the word here whatever it is, condensing our time into uh, practicing the, the, the right things. So when we did that, and I promise you Jeff, we've talked a lot less about winning over the last five or six years than we ever have but we have won a lot more over the last three or four years once we implemented some things uh, than we ever have um, so so the, the, the process of the player development obviously the byproduct of that is winning and that's what we've done a lot I think in our last in our last 115 games or so we it's, it's crazy. We're like 85 and 20 or something like that. And, and I promise you, there, there's – and my high school coach and, and some mentors of mine wouldn't be happy with me saying this, but I promise you we have not spent a lot of time on tandem relays and rundowns and first and thirds and bunts and PFPs <laughs> and things like that. We, we do now. We do. And I – and I, I can promise you also this, that we've screwed up as many now as we did back in the day when we worked on them three times a week. That's what I do know. <laughs> um, but I also know that we hit the ball a lot harder. Uh, we throw the ball a lot harder. And, and uh, we take a heck of a lot more ground balls and, 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 and defensive stuff. Uh, ground balls and, and fly balls and and things like that and we do the, the three big parts of the game whereas base running it lies somewhere in the middle and yes we, we spend time on base running every day but it's only probably two to seven or eight minutes a day instead of uh, a lot more than we used to in the past and that's part of our you know that's part of our everyday getting loose type stuff that we just kind of review some things and it's almost even part of our active stretch that we do so um, a lot more time spent on things that we, we know are important, the 20% of the things that you have to be important about. There's a book my son just, he gave me a heads up on it uh, probably three or four months ago called Practice Perfect. Have you heard that? I don't know if I have. <laughs> Great book. Great book. And, and there's a section on there. There's a, there's a chapter in there called the 20... Oh, it's called the 20% rule or 20. <laughs> I can't think of the exact chapter title, but it's basically bring, being great at the most important things is more important than being good at more things that are just useful. Basically, uh, you know, being great, be great at, at, at hitting and pitching and fielding. Uh, instead of uh, that's more important than just being good at rundowns first and third D's, bunt D's, PFP's. Uh, and that's what I took from that chapter. And you look at it and you go, you know what, that's what we've done in our program for the last four or five years. Uh, and I'm thankful. 
some some incredibly smart people and being uh, I guess wise enough to have an open mind to doing things the new way and it it does frustrate me a little bit when I see some really really good coaches out there that have really really good players and waste a lot of time on stuff and just don't even open their eyes to this stuff and you know they're doing and I did it for years and I did it for years and years and I'm embarrassed about it but uh, I was lucky enough to have these guys come along in our program as assistant coaches to uh, to open my eyes and to, to some of that stuff one of them and the biggest one is Zach Bove who is now pitching coordinator with the Twins um, and uh he played for me, and then he was my hitting guy for a couple of years, switched over to the pitching side, and, and just an incredibly smart, uh, lifelong learner who continues to, to uh, amaze me at what he's doing on the pro level as well. And I'm lucky enough to have him as a resource to reach out to, to ask him about some of this good new stuff that's out there. And he's uh, kind enough to, to share some of that with me, obviously not proprietary twins all in all information but just in general you know what what things are trending to so um been lucky enough to have those guys around to change our whole program what we do which changed the culture of the program which changed how we lift condition uh practice and do everything and it's it's been a blast i'm i'm 55 years old and i tell you what things were pretty dull and boring and and uh, mundane for for probably 15 years, but uh, several years ago that changed, and, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a heck of a lot of fun, and we've won a lot of games, so it's been great. How difficult was it for you at the beginning there when you had these young assistants that wanted to change the way that you had been doing things for a long time where, uh, you know, a lot of coaches, and just in general, and I don't mean to even – uh, this isn't even a knock on, uh, well, just anybody. I mean, any part of your life, it doesn't matter whether you're coaching or anything else. If you do something for a, a long time and someone, you know, some young person comes along and tells you you should be doing it differently, you, people don't always take kindly to that, and, and especially if it's if it's working. And it's not maybe you guys weren't as successful as you are now, but, I mean, you were having some success. You were having some good years. What was it like for you at that time, you know, how resistant were you or how, you know, maybe maybe you just wanted to jump into it right away to see what happened. Like, what was your reaction when you first started having these conversations with the young coaches that, that wanted to just change the player development in the program? Um, I, too, uh, it, was, it, it wasn't that difficult because these guys, they, they played for me. I saw them go off to other schools and then come back, and then I, I see how they – they read and studied and, and whatever, watched videos. They, they dove into, <clears throat> to stuff. And it was, it was a lot of driveline stuff at the beginning. It was, uh, it was hacking the kinetic chain with Zach and, <laughs> and that was his first. And then there was others, uh, lots of others that, <laughs> that he just, um, you know, it was easy to convince me because, uh, it was the way the game was going, and he would probably just not say, hey, let's do this today. It was, uh, hey, let me show you this. Um, what do you think about this? And here's what it's going to lead to. So if you look at it that way, I'm an idiot if I if I don't go. Absolutely. You know, 
or we you tell me what we got to do to to implement this and, and get this going and what do we need to buy and i mean it was you know obviously it was bio balls and bands and uh, you know just just stuff that that we didn't have seven eight years ago uh, so no it wasn't that difficult it really wasn't and it didn't take long at all once we kind of started in that direction to see that the guys were throwing harder and boom you, you, you throw a, a machine down that tells you how hard the guy was hitting the ball whether it be in the batting cage or on the field and and go, okay, now we can visibly see it. Then we bring in recruits and we we put the recruits in there and set her upside her down and, and uh, have them hitting the cages. And my, my eyeballs tell me, you know, every kid that's in there swinging a bat well and hitting it good, whatever. And, but the Rapsodo tells me that, you know, if we were working out three kids, this one kid was this and this these two kids were this. And, I have a number in front of me that says, okay, yeah, they actually hit the ball harder. And uh, these old eyes aren't as good as they used to be. So, you know, you give me some some good hard numbers in front of me, whether it be how much a kid can lift or how hard he hits a ball or how hard he throws it or things like that kind of open your eyes to um, a real hard number to to look at and see that, yes, kids are getting better and this kid's better than this kid or – you know, all things being equal, this kid hits a ball harder, and it's it's just a, a different way of looking at things. And it was it's been a lot of fun for me, and it's gotten easier over the years to obviously, you know, understand some of the stuff. And uh, it's been a blast to to see kids develop and and chart everything and watch them get better as they get here for some honestly true player development from the time they step on campus as a a week freshman to the time they leave two years later as a pretty strong sophomore going to a pretty good school. So it's been a lot of fun. And that, you know, that, that getting back to the question, it, it wasn't very hard because they, they laid the proof right in front of me and, and laid it out in a, in a manner that, that it was easy to go. Yeah, let's go. Let's put this in. And what do I need to buy? And what do I need to get? Let's go. <laughs> Does that does that experience affect how you go about hiring assistant coaches now? Like, do you when when you have an assistant coach position that pops open, do you need to find a guy who is familiar with this with the same stuff that maybe the previous guys had been, or or our big player development guys themselves? Like, is that, does that really has that changed over the years for you? Just who you're looking for in assistant coaches now? Um, I've lost. Four, four assistants that were mine, five that were with me and then was gone for a year that left that they kind of got into it here, that, that got into the that side of things while he was here. Um, yeah, I mean, when I would advertise, because I, I probably, these are like volunteer positions with, with very low pay or part-time pay or an apartment or housing, whatever. Um and I'm looking for a guy, if I, I'm going to say, you know, he doesn't have to have a, a background in data analytics or a, a background in whatever, in, in, in driveline procedures or whatever it is. I, I'm just saying, you know, I'm looking for a kid that's that's open-minded to, to, uh, to new stuff, honestly. It's, 
it doesn't have to be, but I've been really lucky. I mean, I, I, I spoke, uh, I spoke uh, two years ago with the drive on guys at the expo or whatever. And as soon as I got off the stage, there were two or three kids. Cause I announced while I was up there that I just lost my pitching coach and my hitting coach to professional baseball at the break in December. And when I came off stage, three or four young guys hit me up and said, Hey, I'm interested. I'm interested. And I interviewed them while I was there. And, uh, and you know, they, they impressed me with what they want to do. And there's, a lot of kids out there that want to, uh, kids, uh, whatever, recent graduates, whatever you want to call them, um, that, that want to get their foot in the door in college and uh, improve what they can do. And, boy, I, I've been really, really lucky to have just an unbelievable assortment of, of really good young coaches for the last four or five years that we haven't missed a beat too much uh, when we switch from – Pitching coach to pitching coach to pitching coach because two of them went to pro ball and hitting coach to hitting coach. Right now, we literally have two hitting coaches and two pitching coaches because of what we do. Um, it takes a lot of guys to do it. And we have a, a, a retired guy that, that's with us who is it just basically tags all of our data and he's a tagger and he's just good to have to, uh, to do that part of it. So it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a four or five minute job and I've been lucky to, to do this, but I don't expect to keep them on because they're really good. Um, and then hopefully it's, it's next man up and, and we get as lucky on the, uh, on the smart side as we do the, the good guy side. We've been really lucky to have smart guys that are also good guys that can relate to players and relay that information to the players and, and get it to them in a, in a way that the players can understand and, and not overwhelm them with things and been really, really fortunate. I've been really, really lucky to, to have just some great coaches. One of my coaches this year, one of my hitting guys this year during the COVID, he learned SQL or uh, Python. He taught himself, you know, how to code um, during the day in COVID. It was unbelievable. Just sat on YouTube and, and learned how to do that and sort of stuff. So that, that's the kind of guy I'm getting. And, I won't have him long. He'll be in Pro Bowl soon, and and uh, hopefully it will be you know next man up and a, and a guy that that follows in that, those footsteps. We now have a reputation of getting coaches into Pro Bowl too. So um, it's 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 been I've been really really lucky, really lucky. Coach, the last area that I want to ask you about last maybe last question we'll have here is just that you aren't afraid to be outspoken on Twitter. About things your program does, and and um, and and particularly about you know things like hitting the ball in the air, and uh, you know different. So many different people out there have a different understanding of launch angle and what that actually means. Um, and you have some fun with that kind of stuff on Twitter. Can you just talk about a little bit about maybe your thoughts about hitting the ball in the air, which for some people is like it's like a bad word. Uh, you know, for other people, it's the only way to do it. Uh, can, you, can you just talk a little bit maybe about how your program views that term in particular and, and how you speak of, uh, you know, to your players about your, your hitters about hitting the ball in the air. And, and again, just kind of the, kind of some of the things that you've taken to Twitter uh, just to give your opinion about which are which are some controversial things. Can, will you mind just talking about that a little bit? And just kind of, uh, you know, what you believe there and, and what you think that maybe a high school player high school program like how they should view 
uh, you know, hitting the ball in the air and and how they maybe should interpret things in regards to launch angle for for young players like that. Just kind of curious to get your take because you your team has made such progress in this area. And I will just kind of go back to the stat I read at the beginning in your bio that in one year you guys went from you know the school record for home runs was 56 and in one year you guys you jumped to 94 home runs which is just amazing and part of that part of that's probably the weight room but is that is that something you mind talking about a little bit just to tell people your perspective sure um i don't know if we've mentioned the word launch angle in the last um four or five years i we you know it's just if the pitcher's trying to get you to hit the ball on the ground, why is he trying to get you to hit the ball on the ground? Because that's where the runs are not. Um, but, no, we don't go up there. Every guy on our team doesn't have a big donkey hack that tries to hit the ball out of the park. We want our guys to lift and be strong enough to do that. Um, their goal, every kid that comes in our, our program, is the goal is to play in the big leagues. Um, that's not even close to what happens. Um, from there, their next level is to play at, uh, at a, a good Division One level. To do that, in general, in general, there's outliers, but in general, you, you got to be able to drive the ball and hit the ball out of the park and hit some doubles and triples. There, there aren't too many scouts, and again, there are outliers that, uh, or coaches or recruiters that look at your scouts and see, you know, he, he hit three forty-five and he had, uh, you know, he had four doubles and a triple. Um, that's not going to help as much as the guy that hit 300 that had, you know, 35 extra base hits, um, some doubles and triples and home runs. Um, so if we're going to generally help kids and develop kids, we're going to try to get them stronger. They're going to work out four times a week, uh, and they're going to try to drive the ball. Um, Alonzo Angle is a line drive as well. If you want to get, if you want to get, uh, you know, silly about it. A line drive has a launch angle. Every ball has a launch angle. A ground ball has a launch angle. Um, so we don't we don't use that term, but we do want guys to get the ball. And, and in the fall now, when we're playing games, and we didn't get to play this fall, but in general, we're going to have a, a big old kid that can swing the bat and puts on a show in BP, and and we're going to show him. I don't care how hard you hit that ball. If you hit it 105, but you hit a ground ball at a shortstop, and there's a guy in front of you, it's going to be a double play, and it's going to be two out. So... You know, if you look at things and you look at the data and you look at everything there is and not just in the in, in MLB data, but if, if a guy hits a fly ball to center, it's one out. But if he hits a ground ball to short, we run out first, it's two outs. And uh, we're going to try to develop players to get them to hit the ball hard. Uh, regardless of earlier in the year, there was a supposed coach that told us that we teach a fly ball swing. Every kid swings as we teach every kid a fly ball swing, which is kind of one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. He also said we play in a band box, which <laughs> this year in our field, the wind's been blowing in a bunch. We don't have the home runs we've had on normal year. but And you're going to hear from the, the coach that says, hey, what about the little guy? And and, I, and I'm going to say, hey, what about Dustin Pedroia and, and these other little guys? Um, <laughs> Altuve, whoever, that are in the big leagues making a lot of money um, because they, they did hit doubles and they did get the ball in the air and they did hit home runs. Teach that little guy as a ninth or 10th grader, and that's my would be my biggest message to any high school coach out there that's listening right now is, man, 
nothing is important is as important as getting your guys in the weight room as ninth and tenth graders and get them to have a love for it and an appreciation for it and get them eating weird peanut butter and jelly sandwiches weird weird Jimmy John's subs deliveries to the dugout in the fourth inning of a conference game we have we have the food delivery services come to our dugout in in the middle of a game and they can eat in between innings of a conference game of a big game we don't care um putting weight on getting stronger is the most important thing it's more important than any running you'll do it's more important than any pfp you'll, you'll ever do in high school um build time into your schedule take less time on the field and spend more time on the weight room in the weight room in high school ninth tenth eleventh grade then that little guy who comes in and has the 140 pound ninth grader or whatever maybe can leave as a as a 175 pound strong kid that can literally consistently hit the ball out in pp and and uh and move on to a really good level on the college level um so uh i i'm not you know i'm not gonna fight anybody on the on the launch angle thing i'm just gonna say hey yeah ted williams was right a long time ago get on the same plane as the ball if the ball has got a little downer to it then maybe you might want to might want to swing up just a little bit to get on the same plane as that thing and hit it as hard as you can um, and there's a lot more to it than that but that's just the simple simple part for me is if the pitcher's trying to get you to hit the ball on the ground why are you going to try to do that and uh, and we've become more of a hit and run team this year with the with the uh, wind blowing in we've we've put on a lot more hit and runs with the ball around than we have in the in, in previous years um, we're still not bunting too much. We have. We did yesterday. It was successful, and we haven't worked on it too much. Um, but it's not It's not totally out of the picture, and, and I'm not going to you know, argue with anybody about it. It's just what we do here, and we've had success with, and we have a blast with it. We do not play in a bandbox, but uh, there's days when the wind's blowing out that it plays small, and there's days when the wind's blowing in, and you couldn't hit it out of here if you picked it up and hit it twice. So we're proud of what we do and I'll, I'll go to bat for any of our guys that, that say they want to hit the ball out of the park. Come on and have some fun. This is Marty Smith, everybody. He's the head coach at the College of Central Florida. Uh, junior college program in Florida, not uh, the Division One of a similar name down there, but hopefully you've been listening to the podcast this long, you're aware of that. Coach Smith, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This was really, really amazing stuff that, that we got from you. I just want to thank you for sharing everything and for taking the time uh, this much time to spend with us during the season. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. You got me on our off day. It's spring break and easy to do. I appreciate what you guys and what you're doing for the game as well.